Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Great Obsession Podcast. I don't know how to intro us without singing the words. (laughs) We're in for a time tonight uh, because we're talking about Crescent City tonight, which is our first ever episode about a Sarah J. Moss. Wait, is it Sarah J. Moss or Sarah J. Mass? Do you know? I think it's Moss. But I actually could be wrong. I've heard both, so I don't know. Um, SJM, as we like to call her. I feel like we've referenced SJM a lot on our previous podcast episodes, and this is the first time we are actually going to talk about one of her novels. So we're very excited. Uh, I'm Riley. I'm Sam. And like I said, we're going to talk about Crescent City, the first book specifically, House of Earth and Blood. So this episode will contain spoilers for House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J. Moss, uh, but we have not read House of Sky and Breath, so there will be no spoilers for that. Um, there will also be, I feel like we don't even really need to make this disclaimer anymore yeah. at this point, but like there will be strong language. Don't listen to this with sensitive ears present. And that's that on that. And that's that on that. Um, we are also anticipating this being a real doozy of an episode. If yeah. you have read Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood, you know that there is just like 4,000 things happening in this book. And there is so much to discuss. And we're going to do our best to make some sense of it. Um, but sorry if this is chaos, because I have a feeling it will be. I, I think it will be. I think it will be. We're anticipating doing a two-parter, because um, full confession, I finished reading this book 30 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> so everything in my mind is very fresh and reactionary. And so I I have a feeling that this episode, we're kind of going to be doing a high level discussion of like our reactions, general thoughts on the plot and characters, uh, things we liked and didn't like. And then we will do most likely a part two where we go more in depth uh, with some probably character analysis and kind of see, we'll see where the conversation takes us today. But we we're anticipating a two parter because this book is 800 pages and there is a lot going on on that note what are you drinking today riley i am como se dice back on my bullshit of (laughs) drinking coffee at 9 p.m wow (laughs) because i stayed up till 2 a.m reading this book and so i'm very tired and i wanted to have energy (laughs) to talk about this (laughs) this behemoth of a book so i'm drinking a mocha cookie crumble frappuccino which i actually haven't had a frappuccino since literally since i was like probably 17 i was gonna say Um, i don't think i've had a frappuccino since like the sixth grade (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because my only experience drinking frappuccinos is in high school when i was being a little mormon girl and ordering them without coffee Mm -hmm. and so this is my first time trying one with coffee in it and it's so much better Oh, I can imagine. They were so stinging sweet. Like, I can barely drink a Frappuccino as is because it's so sweet. So to not have any kind of coffee in it whatsoever, well, it's just, like, frozen sugar. Gross. Well, it's and it's also, like, 
not really a milkshake when it doesn't have coffee in it. People say, oh, the Frappuccino is basically a glorified milkshake, but it's not because it's what it is, is blended iced coffee. And so if you take the coffee out of the equation, then it's just like blended milk and ice and caramel. Like that's what I was out here drinking in high school. And I pretended that it was good because I wanted to be included. I mean, it's good. It's very sweet, but it's it's good. And it's bringing me the energy that I need. So God bless Starbucks for that. What are you drinking? Um, I am having a nice, cool glass of chalky milk. <laughs> I did not want coffee because I was like, it's too late for that. Um, which is funny because I'm two hours ahead of you. Yeah. Or behind no, you. No, you're two I'm hours, two hours behind, behind you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hitting the spot for me. So I am dying to know because you just finished this book. And I actually think we both did something that we rarely do, which is keep pretty much all of our thoughts and reactions um, to, ourselves. to ourselves. Yeah. And so I really have no concept of what you thought about this book. What's your initial rating? God, I haven't even thought about this. I could rephrase and say, what's your uh, initial reaction having just finished the book 30 minutes ago? Okay, yeah. Let's say coming straight off of finishing this book, I think I will give it a 7.5. If you had asked me to rate it when I was halfway through, it would have been like a 4. But the end really brought it up for me. A four. Wow. I knew you were struggling. I was like, oh, this is not good because it it was taking a little while to get through it. It was slow for me. Um, but that's it. A four is low. A four is really low. That's like Sam low. Um, <laughs> I do get what you mean because the ending in classic SJM fashion, the ending of this book has some really phenomenal moments and mm-hmm. it's some great arcs um packs a i also i also when i was thinking about a score was thinking 7.5 oh wow okay so we're yeah. like on the same wavelength here even though we haven't talked mm-hmm. about this literally at all i know and i'm really curious because honestly i think this discussion is going to change my scoring one way or another and it's either going to bring it way down or it's going to go way up i don't know no same time will tell no same tell me about your experience reading this book because you read it way faster than me and i want to know what that was like i did i did read it quite a bit faster than you um and i think part of that is because I think I've come to realize that I do like pretty intensive world building. Okay. I think that is something that's engaging to me. And I think it's a turnoff for others or uh, or at least it slows people down. And it certainly slowed me down a lot. You know, I'd have to like go back and read and like try and reconnect things. But I was into the world building And so that kind of kept me chugging along for a decent point of time Mm -hmm. until the plot really started to move. It felt, I will say, it felt like a slow, like, train trying to, like, go uphill or something during that beginning portion. I was like, when is this going to speed up? And honestly, it did not really speed up until, like, the last 200 pages. It was, like, a real slow and steady for me. I think that's I think the world building was the most intriguing portion for a good portion. Yeah. Interesting. Cuz 
I sort of see what you mean where I also think I enjoy good world building, like where I feel really mm-hmm. like grounded and I understand what's going on. And I know that takes effort sometimes, but I think it was just the fact that it was all world building and no plot. Let me ask you this. Okay. Do you think this book was an appropriate length? My initial reaction is no. I think it was too long. I think it was too long, too. I'm not sure if it's the world building or just their initial hunt for the horn or even the plot twist where it's like, oh, Hunt is behind it all. Like, honestly, I don't know that that should have been in there at all. Okay, yeah, I agree. It, that didn't it, make like, no didn't sense. It didn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And it was... And, like, the timing of when it happened was so late in the book Mm -hmm. that it was, like, not even a twist. I felt more like I was being yanked this one way of, oh, it's Hunt. And then within a very short period of time, I was yanked the other way of, oh, no, it it actually wasn't Hunt at all. Yeah. And so I was like, why did we do that? It felt like a twist for the sake of a twist. And the rest of the background text did not support it and so it was really almost it felt like it was added as an afterthought or like as a plot device I don't know it was really a weird move in my opinion yeah that part I definitely was like this is just like a twist for the sake of the twist I wasn't convinced because it didn't make any sense for Mm -hmm. like to twist it as like Hunt is the bad guy that scene like looking back now in the whole context of the book it just doesn't make any sense because Hunt isn't denying to Bryce that he was not behind all this, but he wasn't. There was like... I know. So like, why was he just sitting there like, I'm sorry, Bryce, you shouldn't be here. Well, and there's so much of the book where we're actively in Hunt's head. Yeah. Like, it's not like Bryce perceiving Hunt. It's like, no, we're in Hunt. And he's like, oh rethinking this rebellion and how he led all these people to their death and how it was a mistake and people told him it was a mistake and he did it anyways and like he has such clear tangible regret Mm -hmm. about that rebellion Mm -hmm. that then it's like wait like why would he decide to rebel again at a very inopportune time at an inopportune time and just because there's suddenly a drug on the market that's going to make him more powerful like that doesn't makes sense to me no i don't know it just it's like a really that was a really odd um plot point and i think it was just because she was like oh i need something to lead bryce to like question their relationship yeah and it was a way to get hunt out uh, like away from bryce and like yeah given back to sandriel yeah get him back and in the whatever that the stu- okay, the <laughs> stupid summit. Everyone who attended the summit lives in the city, except for Sandriel, right? Yeah, except for the... Wasn't there, like, some Asterian guards that showed up or something? Yeah, yeah, the Asteri guards were there. But, like, the Aster, the I don't know how to say, Asteri, Asteri, whatever, they themselves, the leaders, were not there. They were, like, there on Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> they were there on Zoom. I was like... <laughs> Also, and then they were, like, there on Zoom and everybody was, like, talking about how they could, like, still feel their power in the room or whatever. I was like, mm, I disagree. 
<laughs> I'm not I'm buying into a lot with this magic system that doesn't make sense, but you know where I draw my line? I draw it at power coming through Zoom. <laughs> okay, but can we talk about the the magic system? Because Yes. <laughs> this was something else and and I kind of expected this going in because I knew that this was gonna be like urban fantasy, like so kind of modern day but but it's like Mm -hmm. it's like modern but it's not on earth so it's like also not modern it's like high urban fantasy yeah and it was it was really confusing like the mixture of the technology and magic was so there were times where i was like wait is this magic or is this like technology that's powering this Right. And it's interesting because I feel like I have read other books that do something similar where it's like, oh, we have magic, but we also like have technology. And I think the reason why it was so confusing in this instance is because, and this is a problem across SJM's like writing, Mm -hmm. um, lover to death, but like her magic systems, so vague. Mm -hmm. They don't, you know, it's it's the kind of magic where it's like, ooh, I can do anything. And there yeah. are no rules that exist in this magical world except for ones that, like, spontaneously appear for the sake of plot. Yeah. And I think to create a world – it's a, in the previous books, it's been okay. Like, her other series, it's been okay because it's so clearly, like, a magical world. There's nothing else happening except it's like, right. ooh, we – you know, are phase, and that means that we can do fey things. And it's not, it's not a big deal because the magic is the only, like, driving force. Mm-hmm. Versus this one, because we have magic and technology and just general, like, high skills fighting happening, it's like, where's the line? Where's the rule? Like, you need more structure, in order for it to make sense. Because to your point, it's like, okay, they're saying everything is being powered by first light. So then I'm like, okay, so do they not have any kind of electrical system? Like is first light their electrical system? I think so. Like it was saying like phones are powered by first light. Right. And then it's like, okay, but like how many people are making this drop and pro- and how much light are they producing? Like not that that's a huge deal, but I think it it just starts to open the door of okay, well they have guns. Yeah. So how are these guns working and how is it that we have not combined guns and first light magic yet? And then they have this giant bomb that just like kills everything. Oh yeah, I did I not like, understand those. I was missiles. like I don't uh, yeah, I did not understand that either. And it was just like, when are when are we using magic? When are we not? And who has the ability to, like, harness this magic? Yeah. I couldn't tell you. Like, Rune can, like, manipulate shadows and stuff. But then they would be like, oh, but he, he moved like a fae and he could do this like a fae. But I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. Are you just, like, a superhuman? I don't know. I was just, like... Taking my understanding of Fae from Akatar and placing it onto these Fae. Just like 
projecting. Because, like, I don't know the difference. And speaking of that, there are so many species in this book that it would oh throw around. Gosh. Like, there was a drocky male out in the street. I'm like, what the fuck is a drocky? Like, how am I supposed to picture that? I don't know what that is. A daemonicai male. What is a daemonicai? <laughs> so why are we saying words that have no meaning? I know. It's like, you're just putting letters on a page and providing no context and there was literally the amount of types of shifters oh my god i know it was it was every animal possible like oh it's a horse shifter just ran out beside a car oh it's a snake shifter or it's like i was like what are you talking about like i was like are first of all for a while i thought there were no animals oh and i thought they were all everything shifters. They were all shifters, and then they were like, "No, here's this cute little otter that has sentience." I guess. I guess maybe regular otters have sentience. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where the line is on being like a sentient being. I apologize. That's, that's it's, a whole other so, all the otters. But <laughs> you know. But then it's like, oh, we have this otter that is like intelligent enough to like deliver things and like essentially like be a mailman right right right. and i was like so are there any animals that are just regular animals like my pets would be and then because like what is his name syrinx syrinx is that how you say it? i don't know it could be syrinx but i said syrinx i was like Okay, so we're treating him like a pet. But he seems to have some level of sentience, like, more so than, like, a dog. Because Lehaba was, like, basically translating for him (laughs) all the time. Like, Bryce, he's telling you this. See, and, like, why can she talk to him? I don't know. Bryce was like, I was never sure if Lehaba was just making it up or if she could actually understand him in some way. So it was, like, never explained. But the all of the animals like syrinx had the the slavery tattoo right which adds more confusion yeah to me how many creatures in this world are slaves genuinely i don't i was like i don't understand yeah like the difference between a slave and a citizen and then there's another category that's neither slave nor citizen that was never clear to me because it's apparently a big deal that Bryce is a civitas, a citizen. which I took to yeah. mean citizen. Citizen. So then I'm like, what? What would she what be else would if she not be? if not a civitas? I don't know. Yeah. So that was confusing to me. The hierarchy in general in this book really threw me for a loop. I did not understand the houses. No, me. Either. I don't feel like they're grouped in any like really discernible way. No. And so I was like, and then like Lahaba was like, oh, well, I was kicked out of my house, but I still consider myself a part of the house. I was like, who, who, who owns these houses? I know. And so, and something about Jaseba, like renouncing her house and yeah. joining Flame and Shadow, which was like a big thing. But I don't, at the beginning of the book, there's like a page that shows you all the houses and they, it's like all these different species. So I'm like, how can mm-hmm. you switch houses? You can't change what species you are. And how can you be kicked out of your house? Yeah. No, it, it doesn't make no sense. Well, and I don't understand if there's any meaning behind the houses. That's the they thing. Because they were, like, self-attributing. And, like, Bryce yeah. had to relinquish her, 
like mother's house or whatever. And I was like, but what does that gain or lose for her? Yeah. No, it's very unclear, which is unfortunate because House of Earth and Blood is the title. So I thought that was going to be something important and it just like wasn't. I know. I think this book is her being, my theory is I'm like, well, maybe this is her being in touch with her human side. And the next book is all about her embracing her face side side. because that's the name of the Yeah, and she's just made the drop. Yeah, but IDK. That could be. And it also could be that we're sitting here, like, complaining about all this underdeveloped stuff and speculating, and then it'll, like, all be resolved later in the series. (laughs) And it it might very well. Like, she does that all the time. That's a real talent that Ashram has is like starting things in book one and like Mm -hmm. connecting it back in like the final book Mm -hmm. but I will say in this series these things were made such large points of conversation between these characters that to have them underdeveloped even if you're going to develop them down the line was confusing and it made me feel like I was missing something in the text versus previously it's like I get to the end and I realize that she's referencing something from the beginning and I'm like oh my gosh I never even realized yeah but it wasn't as if I read that first book and was like wow this point's really underdeveloped it it wasn't it was developed enough that I didn't think anything of it until she brought it back up again and this book is that is not the case there were so many things where I was like I don't I don't understand. I feel like I just spent this whole book being like, that doesn't make sense. Anyway, because it was like I had no choice but to move on. (laughs) Exactly. This book is so big that I think you just have to be like, well, we're just going to push on through. Because to try and unpack and make logic out of a lot of the stuff, I think was frankly impossible. Also... Did you understand, were the angels and the archangels, like, the same species? I have no idea. Or were they different species? I have no idea. Here's the other thing. How many archangels are there? Because two of them died by the end, and then there's talk of, like, which archangel's gonna replace them. Are there just, like, archangels that don't rule over any territories that are in waiting? Or do they have to pull someone from another territory? Well, and where are they? I don't know. Like, where are the Asteri? In Pangera, but that's all we know. Oh, that's interesting. And Pangera is, that's where the humans live and are rebelling. Yeah, it's like the other continent is my understanding. Based on the map I found on Reddit, because there's not a damn map in this book. <laughs> the, the fact there's no map in this is just such a point of, like, personal contention. I... I'm so disgruntled by it. The politics in this book are, are another thing that's so confusing. It took me because it's so confusing because we have so many different species at play. Mm-hmm. And then we have all these houses that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And we have a magic system that has no clear hierarchy. So it's impossible. So it's like certain characters they're talking about being politically powerful so i just automatically assumed they were magically powerful and then later on it's like oh no the magic level really varies from person to person does so it it like doesn't make sense to me that hunt was able to kill sandriel i know who's an 
Because the only reason I bought into this Archangel thing is because I was like, okay, they are clearly the most powerful people aside from the Asteri. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's why everyone obeys them. That's why we're afraid of Micah. That's been the whole point. Mm -hmm. And I understand that Hunt has had his powers oppressed or whatever, but there's other angels out there whose power isn't oppressed. Yeah. So, like, what are they doing? And are they not as powerful as the Archangels, too? If hunt can kill her in literally 0.2 seconds not even a battle he just ripped her head clean off yeah and then i was like okay but during his rebellion her twin sister an archangel could not beat her but you're telling me that a non-archangel can beat her and why couldn't he just have beat her back then i don't know i don't know (laughs) results are inconclusive (laughs) there's just i i think there was just a lot of stuff, as we've said, where you just had to be like, all right, I'm moving past this. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of suspension of disbelief happening where I was just like, I don't need to, I guess I just don't need to understand. And there were passages that I would read over and over again, which I think is why I struggled getting through this. Cause mm. It's because I was being Makes slow sense. and like reading things multiple times to like try and understand. Or I would like turn a few pages back and be like, wait, so this this guy is who and he's part of what house and and it was like honestly pointless to do that because by the end i was just confused like the only characters i really needed to know and understand were bryce and hunt like i when declan and tristan got involved i was like who (laughs) i know i was like well it was so confusing because tristan and Flynn are the same characters, and Declan and Emmett are the same characters. I know, they, and they keep switching between which <laughs> I was na- like, names. I was like, oh my god. I was like, how many fey men are there? <laughs> I was like, oh my god, they're the same person. Literally, and it was, it was the same with all of the angels that Hunt worked with, because there's like Isaiah and Naomi and Victoria, who I mixed Naomi and Victoria up. I don't know the difference. And then someone named Justinian, apparently, who I didn't know he existed until he got executed and it was supposed to be important. I, I, I was like, rough, bro. <laughs> That's rough, buddy. I was just... Well, and I'm pretty sure that, like, Pollux is also called the Hammer. Yeah. And I was, like, thinking that there were two separate people this whole time. <laughs> and they were the same person. And I was like, what? It sucks. I know, and, and then it, it was like, and then they were accompanied by the rest of Sandriel's guard, the the hawk, and the God, the this and the, I don't even remember. It was all these weird nouns, and I was like, "Thanks for the detail, but I'm never gonna remember this." No, I was uh, I was not tracking, and even you you had written this down in your notes, but there are literally four thousand side characters, and don't get me wrong. I love a big cast of characters. Yeah. I am not opposed to that in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think traditionally SJM has had really, really great side characters. I think that's something that I like most about her writing style is that she has, like, multiple different characters and narratives happening. And they're all compelling. And they're all distinct from one another. Mm-hmm. And in this one... It was so many side characters, but we were not seeing them 
enough to actually understand them or like get to know them as characters yeah and so i was like who's who is what and like where do you belong like it was just a name here a name there and they would pop up 60 70 pages later and i and i was like i was like who who are these people and we were only getting bryce and hunt's pov which is fine oh and i guess and sometimes maybe it ruins pov yeah yeah and that's fine. I don't I don't need more POVs, but when you have that many POVs who are interacting with all their own side characters for very brief snippets of time, it's too much. It's like you can't track who's who. No, because because if you think about her other series like Throne of Glass, there's a million side characters, but they're we love them all, but they get introduced like slowly like you get one or two new characters every book so that then by the end in kingdom of ash you have 15 povs but you know who everyone is this time Mm -hmm. it was like throwing all the names at us at once and so i was just Mm -hmm. like i am not gonna remember these fucking people until they get we get their pov in six books (laughs) yeah no literally i I was like so much flipping back To be like, who? To be like, who's this? What? And I, like, had to look up fan art because I I think maybe SJM, like, when she's writing, has, like, very specific things that she really sees clearly in her mind. And, like, she really wants to get a certain look across. But the amount of times they describe Bryce's banging body. (laughs) Literally. And, like, her, like curvy hips and super tight dresses and like big boobs and like all of this stuff i was like okay we get it now just give me the slightest bit of description for another character that i'm desperate to understand what they look like like i don't understand like first of all all the men all the men in this book they just (laughs) run together they all run together i don't ethan tristan Declan, Micah, Isaiah. I was like, y'all are a, all different species and you all look the exact same in my mind. Yeah. But Bryce, I like would forget that she even has red hair. I, but I was like, damn, I know she's curvy. Yeah. I know that. You know she's got boobs. <laughs> I know. I was we'll like, just give forget. me something a little bit different. I, I just had so... I was so annoyed every time I reached that point. I was also so annoyed... With Hunt's stupid long hair. I hate it. <laughs> you're I not hate a, it. Oh, you're not into the long-haired men? No! I think it works on Rune. Yeah. Like, I, the, for some reason that makes sense to me, but it doesn't it make sense to me on Hunt. There are a lot of long-haired men. Like, is there a single man in the story that has short hair? Um, <laughs> if there is, I, I missed the description. Ethan might have short hair. Oh, maybe. And now I'm, like, looking at, at fan art. The The only fan art that i've seen that has stuck with me like before reading this series was um bryson hunt and then rune people like to make rune fan art yeah that's because rune's the best yeah i it's interesting because it's not as if rune gets a ton of pov and it's not as if he's doing a ton of stuff Mm -hmm. for the plot necessarily but i found him to be more compelling to me than hunt yeah I thought he was more interesting to read, and I'm not totally sure why. Maybe just because he's more mysterious, because we don't know that much about him 
at this point. I think we, given the amount of fan art, I imagine we get a lot more of him in the next book. I hope we get more Hypaxia. I was super, super about her. I have a clear picture of what she looks like. Just because she was like, Mm -hmm. from pretty early on in the book, she was like showing up on the scene. Mm-hmm. And so then when it was revealed that because when she was like a med witch who was just knew all of this information and was was like, yeah, I can create an antidote. I was like, who like, why can this random lady <laughs> just like create an antidote to this like very legendary drug? And then when I found out she's the queen, I was like, oh, OK. So she's like powerful. This that this checks out. Yeah, this yeah. tracks. But for a while there, I was like, what is happening? Like. This is too convenient, which there were still a lot of moments in the story that I felt like I was like, this is too convenient. Do you have any off the top of your head? Um, when Micah and Bryce got into their brawl in the library and suddenly the books can like shoot light out of them and shoot Micah into the bathroom. And then Micah is this all powerful archangel who got in to the place and bypassed all the enchantments. He somehow can't get out of the bathroom. I know. At first, I didn't, like, the book thing was so out of the blue that at first I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, I didn't make the connection that the book that she was opening was, like, causing him to, like, fly back into the bathroom. Yeah, I didn't understand. I was like, since when can the books do this? Like, I know that some of them are alive and they, like, creep off the shelves like the Monster Book of Monsters and Harry Potter. But that's all I thought they mm-hmm. were, is was, like, semi-alive books. I didn't know that they, like, were weapons. I know. I was, like, they're, they were so casual in that library the whole time, just, like, opening anything, like, reading whatever. I guess maybe that's, like, what Lahaba's job was, was to be, like, don't open that one because it could kill you. Yeah. I had questions about that. I also had questions, once again, just, like, once you work from home, you realize that these things are so much more complicated. Um, when they are like, Jessica is just able to connect to all of the cameras oh, in her yeah. thing and like stream it immediately onto the screen. And then the fact that Declan can hack anything yeah. at any time at any with time. no repercussions whatsoever <laughs> seems a little bit sus. I was like, okay, so you're scared to talk about this in public where the cameras could catch you, but we're fine with Declan hacking into these like supposedly super se- se- secure spaces. I was like, is do they or do they not have... The technological power to create an authoritative authoritarian state because they either do or they don't. Yeah. And you can't have it both ways because they were talking about how the cameras were always watching them all the time. And I was like, so why why do we mention, oh, we can't do this here, the cameras. But then we're doing all kinds of other shit in front of the cameras that I feel like we shouldn't be doing. And I just didn't understand I was like, also, are we never concerned about Bryce's apartment potentially being unsafe? I know. It was just, like, really convenient. Another really convenient thing. That it was just magically so enchanted with, like, the most expensive enchantments ever that it was unbreachable. Also, speaking of the money, how many... How much money does Bryce have? Because she took out this massive debt to Jessica to pay off Syrinx. And then she... 
took another one to free Lehaba, and then she somehow got this check at the end to try and buy Hunt off of Sandriel, and I did not understand. That never came back. We didn't know what she did to get that money from Jessiba. You're absolutely right. I think she's in just, like, a shit ton of life debt. I guess. Um, I think, so the, the, at least with the Bryce, or, excuse me, the Hunt check, I know it, like, specifically says that she, like, tore it up and the, that, like, voided the deal, and so I think we're just supposed to infer that she here. So the relationship with Jessiba, it was very confusing to me. Yeah. Because at first I was like, oh, Jessiba is like a genuine threat to Bryce mm-hmm. and like could very well turn her into an animal. Mm-hmm. And then I and I felt like Bryce gen, had genuine fear of her. Mm-hmm. And then I was like oh, no, they clearly have a more friend relationship, it feels like. It feels like she's she can be casual with Jessica mm-hmm. and, like, ask these things of her. And then it was like, oh, wait, but Jessica, Jessica is, like, committing her to a life debt? There were so many things where I didn't understand what their dynamic was. And I don't know if, honestly, because after the epilogue, I was like, well, maybe Jessica is playing just like such a different game Mm -hmm. that that is maybe why their dynamic is so odd where she like needs to keep Bryce close, but doesn't want her to be like too close Mm -hmm. kind of thing. I don't know, but I also was confused about the, the debt to Jessica and how she's just willing to do that all the time. (laughs) Like just like, First of all, if Bryce hadn't made the drop, would she have been able to even pay off that debt? Also, how is she going to do that? Is she still taking home a check? I don't know. Or is she just working to work off that debt? But here's the thing. Is she working off the debt and getting paid? I don't know. She she somehow has to buy food, so I guess so. And then I, I was like, well, Donica left her all of this stuff. Yeah. And is it just the apartment because i thought it was money too oh i don't know i don't remember i thought it was just the apartment maybe it is just the apartment there were definitely a few things where i was just like well that seems like that was way too easy or there were moments where i'm like that seemed way too hard wait like what the cameras really throw me off because they talk about these cameras all the time Mm -hmm. but then they're like oh but this demon is never caught on camera and i don't understand why it's like it somehow knew where all the cameras were and was staying out of them, but it sounds like there are so like, many cameras. Like, how is that possible? Right. And, like, how would it know that either? Because ultimately, it ends up being that the demon gets accidentally summoned whenever anybody takes synth. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if someone, because originally they were like, oh, Sabine is intentionally summoning it, mm-hmm. summoning it, and that's why it knows where the cameras are because it's like working for her and she knows the cameras. Mm -hmm. But then it turns out that they're just being spontaneously summoned and are at the behest of no one. And so I'm like, well, so how do they not know where the cameras are? I don't know. Also, how does one summon a demon from just like doing a drug that contains... That made no sense. Those ingredients. Yeah, no, that made no sense. The synth made no sense. 
I don't understand. Like, what is it? Like, what is it? Do you inject it? Oh, because Micah injects it, right? Into Bryce? He injects it into her. Okay, so it's like a clear liquid. But but didn't... Is that not the drug at the very beginning that Bryce is offered? And Fury's like, yo, don't take that. Like, don't buy that shit. I'm pretty sure it is, because... Didn't and so that's a powder. Oh, not that drugs can't come in a variety of like forms. But yeah, the synth. I was just gonna make sense to me because I think the implication that it's first of all, it's an experimental medical drug, and then it's gonna be a street drug, and then it's gonna be a weaponized drug, and I was like, how how many of these things gonna be? And then it's going to like heal the horn or whatever and i i don't oh, know i just God. Was... not even not the horn <laughs> not this dumbass horn oh, oh my god i do not understand like i don't know what it is it, it and it was broken and then yeah and then she ground it into powder and turned it into ink how big was this first thing? of all also powder you can't tattoo powder on someone you can't infuse like unless it dissolves in the ink does it i don't know I think... it doesn't make sense <laughs> also like how did she pull this off like the time they lived together i know so when was she doing this and, yeah so she steals the horn and i don't actually remember why she steals the horn but micah helped her do it that's what I they, like. He caused a blackout that made her steal it, but I don't remember why either. And I literally just finished the book, so I should remember. Okay, well, so she steals the horn, and then yeah, grinds it up. And my understanding is like, yeah, it just dissolves in the ink. But then I'm like, how does the what tattoo parlor was she going to? I know. That the tattoo artist was like. Yeah, girl, I'll put anything you want in this ink because that's not sketchy AF. I know. And then to put it on Bryce, first of all, she must have been like, I need the longest, biggest tattoo you can like find. Because what happens if she only puts like half the horn in her? I know. I know. You know? Uh, that's well, something, that's something else I thought is like, no way that she ground the entire horn into all this powder and got it all into one tattoo that doesn't make any sense i mean it's all the way down her back i guess i don't know how much ink goes in tattoos i'm gonna be honest yeah, oh yeah me either i don't know how to ta- tattoos work actually <laughs> maybe maybe that's our gap we don't know how <laughs> tattoos work but seriously i was so confused by that reveal i was like this is such a stretch but okay i guess bryce is the horn. But I just don't really understand what the horn does. Like, apparently when it's, quote-unquote, activated, it opens up portals. But can you control what kind of portals it opens? Because Micah just, like, threw some power at it, and it opened up portals into hell. Right. So is it... And, well, based on the lore, I kind of thought that maybe it only opened to hell. I don't know. Because the original horn was, like, used to send them all back to hell. Right? And, like, close it. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. I don't know either. Another thing that related to hell that annoyed me was when um all of the so it, it like she went to great lengths to describe how there's like seven layers of hell. 
and the pit is the worst one and the demons there are like the worst and like impossible to beat and hunt only battled them twice in his life and he almost died and he's been alive for hundreds of years so this is very significant okay so now we open up the portals and it's the and the portals are to the pit and so we're getting the worst of the worst demons and hunts like oh god like just battling one of these like really took it out of me but then bryce's just shooting them with guns and they're falling i know I know I the um the use of guns in this was very confusing. I didn't understand if guns were more powerful than magic. And I didn't understand why if like guns are really this like very powerful tool in this world cuz they're obviously able to kill demons. They're able to kill Vanir. They're like they are a lethal weapon. That no creatures have active defenses against magic-wise, right? Mm-hmm. Why isn't Hunt carrying more guns? I don't know. Why isn't Rune carrying? They, like, will mention, I think, that they, like, have guns on them, but they don't use them. No, they, like, to They're use their swords. They're always, like, going for the swords, and that doesn't make any sense to me. No, because in, in today's modern world where guns exist, no one uses swords because you just, just use a gun. Right. Swords should be obsolete in this world. Yeah. No, I was also very confused by, like, it was, it was just weird having guns present in a, a fantasy, in, like, a high fantasy story. And, and yeah, then, then they're battling demons and they're just shooting them. And I was like, Hunt made it sound like he almost died twice just battling two of these things. And you're telling me you're being attacked by, like, 30 of them at once and you're just shooting each one once and it's going down? These are not the demons from the pit. The pit's weak. I was Well, annoyed. I will say... Maybe that actually hasn't happened yet. They do say something in the second, at the very beginning of the second book that references the creatures that came out during that incident. Mm -hmm. And they are referred to as like pets of the pit. So I think they're, even still, they're still pit creatures. And you're right, like Hunt does have that whole dialogue about it but i think that they are they she like does throw something in maybe as like a backtrack to be like oh but they were like only the pets (laughs) of the really bad people i mean i suppose that makes sense bro is this whole episode gonna be obsolete after we read the second one and every question gets answered (laughs) (laughs) could be i don't think so though (laughs) i don't think so because I think there well cuz here's the thing is even if every question we do have gets answered in the second or the third I think the previous point still stands that this book was hard to read. Yeah, it was because confusing. these things were so confusing. And I think there's some things that were nitpicking just over the course of conversation that when I was reading I didn't really think that much of. Yeah. And like like the creatures in that final battle scene. I was like not thinking that hard about I mean I did sort of think wow she's like really plowing through these pretty quick um so maybe there's not as many as I thought or they're easier to kill than I thought so I did kind of have that thought process but I it didn't like slow me down in my reading versus I think there have been some things that we have raised here that actively slowed me down Mm -hmm. and I like had to stop and like really think flip around, look at fan art, look at maps to try and figure out what was going on. Yeah. And so even if that is resolved in the second book, 
it's it's still a very real problem in this first one and i think that still stands yeah that's true and i feel like when we're discussing these this series there's like two facets to discuss which is like all of the confusing world building and magic and then there's like the characters and we haven't even mm-hmm. scratched the surface of the no. characters and we've been talking for an hour and seven minutes so <laughs> i'm not even sure how much we want to get into now because probably not that much at all honestly yeah i think characters being a second episode is a good idea i will say the i mean that my 7.5 rating comes from the fact that i enjoyed the characters we can wait to do like a reassess um points okay or what rating until after we're done with the second episode because i think that makes a lot of sense because we did spend the course of this entire conversation nitpicking every single thing we did not like about this book yeah and i think they were all very valid points but i do think that honestly with most of sjm's work the things that i like the most are the characters Mm -hmm. and their relationships and she's a master of the arc and we haven't even touched on some of the really really great arcs um, that take place just in this single book and so i think a lot of our positives will be discussed in the second part two part two yeah. yeah, I feel like this episode was just, like, a very much kind of processing and trying to mm-hmm. make sense of everything we just read because, like you said, this book was so hard to read. We haven't even gotten into, like, the emotional impact of it all because it was, mm-hmm. I mean, I cried reading the last 50 pages. So yeah. I will have a lot to say, but it's stupid to sit here and be like, I have a lot to say, but I'm not going to say it. So, <laughs> yeah, I think we covered a lot of the the stuff that were barriers to entry in this book yeah this episode is like everything that made crescent city hard to read Mm -hmm. and now and and then in part two we'll get into everything that we actually liked about it so um i hope you enjoyed this really chaotic episode where i drank a frappuccino at 9 p.m and we ranted about everything that made that made no sense to us in this 800 page book we are going to have a lot to say in part two because really getting into the nitty gritty with of these characters and their arcs and their relationships is where the good stuff is with SJM. And we just don't want to record for four hours. So we're going to do that another time. Um, but if you want to listen to our next episode, then stay tuned. We post new episodes every Tuesday. You can find us on Instagram at the great obsession pod. You can find us on i almost just said you can find us on gmail <laughs> you can email us at the great obsession pod at gmail.com find us on goodreads the great obsession pod and find us anywhere you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review if you're feeling generous and that's that on that thanks for listening bye, bye.